0: Thank you, Robert. Oh, so, I'm supposed to start with a joke, right? So, first of all, before I do a joke, um, could I get somebody to get me a water and a ribeye? <laughs> Medium rare? You know, when Jesus goes to a restaurant and he orders a steak, the, the, uh, the waiter says, how would you like that cooked? you know what Jesus says? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. <laughs> That's my own. Okay. <laughs> but I am going to start with a joke, compliments of Mike Stewart, because Mike always comes up and tells me a good joke, 90% of the time. So he says, this boy goes to school for the first day, and the teacher says to him, says, uh, so uh, Bobby, um, you're new here today. What, what do your parents do for a living? And he goes, well, my mom works in a grocery store, and my dad's a magician. He a magician? That's impressive. Where does he do his act? He says, all over the world. He goes, "Wow, does he have like a signature act, something he's known for?" He says, "Yeah, he saws people in two." She goes, "Oh my goodness, that is wild. So do you have any siblings, any brothers or sisters?" He says, "Yes, I have two half-brothers." <laughs> I can always count on Jim Hill to be just so stoic after a joke. <laughs> Okay, I do want to mention here, by the way, these are not my normal glasses. And if you know, every time I preach, I have to take them on, take them off. But these are, and I forget the actual name of them, because we don't sell these glasses on our Amazon site, which is amazon.com forward slash shops, forward slash ADRM. We don't sell these. But um, these are the Blu-ray thing, the things that protect you from this. And I just really, I, I don't know why I've been so passionate about this, but we've got all these kids that are spending hours a day at school in front of a computer. And if you've not bought your kids these glasses, I really encourage you to do that. It will save their eyes. It really, I was only kidding about the water. Where's the ribeye? But I really want to encourage you to get these for your kids and, and even for yourself if you're spending a lot of time because especially with the kids, they don't realize their eyes are ruined until it's too late that they're ruined. So again, you cannot buy these at amazon.com forward slash shops, forward slash A-D-R-M. You can buy other things we sell on there, but this is not about that, okay? So (laughs) let's go on here. We are gonna talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Booths, also known as Sukkot. Sukkot, this is cool. It is the seventh feast in the seventh month And it lasts seven days. I summed it up as like this. It is the completion of the completion completed. And I'm going to give you more scripture and proof that this is not just my own little theory. But Jesus will and has shown us that he will be coming back during this festival. Okay. He says we don't know the day or the hour. That's absolutely true. Okay. We don't know what year. During Sukkot, he'll come back. There's actually seven days of Sukkot and then the solemn assembly. So we know there's, there's an eight-day period. We don't know the day during that eight-day period. We don't know the hour or the year, but we do know that he's coming back. And a matter of fact, we always quote the scripture. It says the day will come like a thief in the night and, you know, and all that. But if we finish that very scripture that talks about him coming as a thief in the night, he says, but you, it shouldn't be like that. You should know. I've given you signs. And so I'm going to show you before the end of this how we know that we know that we know that we know that this is the time of year that Jesus returns. It's so cool. All right. So let me do a a quick recap of certain things that I say either when I'm coming up here during this time of year or when I preach this actually last year I preached this. Um, We just got done with two Sundays ago was the first day of rosh hashanah the feast of trumpets when there will be the last trump and jesus returns the high holy days and then for orthodox jews who don't have their redemption in messiah they will do a lot of uh, fasting and praying and introspect and repenting during the next 10 days which brings us up to yom kippur which is the day of atonement which we know we have received once and for all. I don't have to go to the ocean and wash in the ocean. I remember once I asked my rabbi why I couldn't just take a shower, and he literally told me because my sins could get caught in the drain and come back up. No kidding. So once a year, we get clean, and then we start all over again and have to get clean again. But Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, cleansed us once and for all. And then Friday... Friday night at sundown begins Sukkot, and it will end next Friday at sundown. So Peter, and I always tell this story, I'll tell a couple ones that I always tell, but it's real important. A lot of people say that Peter was such an idiot, he didn't even know what to say. He sees Moses, he sees Elijah, he sees Jesus, and what does he say? Shall I build a tabernacle for each one of you? Well, Jesus, Peter wasn't talking off the top of his head. Peter was a Jew. Peter understood, and I'll show you in the scripture, that At the end, when Messiah returns, we will celebrate Sukkot. We will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles every year in the kingdom. We'll celebrate it with Jesus. So he wasn't just flippantly saying that. He thought, oh my gosh, there's Moses, there's Elijah, and there's Jesus glowing whiter than anything I've ever seen. We're in the kingdom. And remember, a couple of days before that, Jesus said, some of you won't taste death till you see the kingdom. So, of course, Peter thought, we're at the kingdom. A couple of days later, after Jesus says, we'll see the kingdom. Boom. Here it is. Should I build a tabernacle? The other thing that's real important is we talk about Passover, okay? In Passover, they're waving a lulav, and they're saying, Hosanna, salvation has come. Why are they doing that? That's something we do during Sukkot. Well, the reason they're did it was because the Passover lamb who was going to die for the sins of the world, salvation was coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And that's why they were doing what was done in a fall feast during the spring feast of Passover. They couldn't help themselves, but salvation was coming. They had to wave the lulav. They had to cry Hosanna. So that's pretty cool. During Passover, or excuse me, during Sukkot, okay, um, on each of the six days, the first six days, there are, or actually all seven, but on the first six days, there's what's called a salvation water drawing ceremony, okay? So the high priest comes out of the temple, and he does this because of what was written in Isaiah 12.3. And by the way, uh, Denise, there are scriptures I'm going to quote here that I didn't give you to put up there. So if I didn't give them to you, don't put them up there unless you want to. But in Isaiah 12, 3, it says, therefore, you will joyfully draw out waters from the springs of salvation. So the high priest comes out of the temple. Now, just a little background. This is kind of cool. Remember when Jesus was in the temple and there was the blind guy and he put mud in his eyes and he said to the guy, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And I always had a problem with that scripture because I thought, man, this guy's blind He just got mud in his eye, and Jesus says, find your way to the Pool of Siloam? It was kind of weird, you know? And then when I was in Israel, I was at the Pool of Siloam, and they said, now you see the temple right there? They uncovered a road that went straight from the temple to the Pool of Siloam. Isn't that cool? That's all that guy did. He just walked right down the hill. That is so cool. Well, the high priest would come out of the temple every day with a golden pitcher and he would draw out the waters of salvation for Sukkot. And he would go up to the altar, and he would pour that out. And the the congregation would follow him, and, and they would be saying, I will praise you. And by the way, this is Psalms 118, uh, 21 through 26, but they would specifically say, verse 25, I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Did you know that uh, Yeshua Means salvation in Hebrew. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And they were living in the day that they were the ones who rejected the cornerstone. Isn't that ironic? This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And here's the scripture Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. That's what they were saying during Passover when Messiah was coming in to Jerusalem on the donkey to be the Passover lamb. But this is what they do during Sukkot. And every day the high priest comes out with the golden pitcher, gets a pitcher of water, goes in, walks around the altar one time, pours it out. But on the seventh day, which would be during the seventh day, Feast, which was held during the seventh month. On the seventh day, he walks around the altar seven times, and then he pours out the water. Completion, 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 completed. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's some more cool things about Sukkot, okay? This is when Jesus said in John 7, 37 and 38. Is that one of the ones that we put up there? I actually just want you to see how cool the back of my shirt looks, but okay. Have that planned. <laughs> On the last day of that great feast, Jesus stood out and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that cool? Because we just read that, you know, arbitrarily one day Jesus says, hey, by the way, you know, if you thirst, drink of me, out of your body, flow rivers of living water. No, no. He said that, and the scriptures make it clear, on the last day of the great feast. So it was on that day. It was on the day that the high priest was pouring out the water seven times. That's when Jesus says, I am that water. Why have you been doing that all this time? Because it was pointing to me. I am the water. That's so cool. Now, during the entire seven days of Sukkot, they build three 75-foot tall candles. Is that cool? Yeah. Hobby Lobby doesn't even sell them that tall. (laughs) And the wicks of those candles are made from the priest's garments. That's cool. And they set them up in the court of the women. Now, who starts off Passover by lighting the Passover candles? Who brought the light into the world? A woman. And yet these are in the court of the women. And they're 75 feet tall. And when you light those mamas, they light up all of the city of David. And there is bright lights that burn 24 hours a day, seven days in a row you get pretty used to the light. But on the last day, the day of the solemn assembly, they extinguished the lights. Can you imagine how dark, even during the day, how dark it must have looked that day? It's a solemn assembly. The lights have been put out. Now, here it says in John 8, 2, Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So let's get it in perspective so I'm not taking anything out of context. On the seventh day, the day of the great feast, when the water's poured out, he says, I'm that water. And then the next morning, okay, I'm not adding anything to Scripture. The next morning, the day of the solemn assembly, the lights have been put out, and everything looks dark. And he says in John 8, 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Doesn't that just bring it all together? I mean, everything about the word of God is so incredible. It is so incredible. Okay, Leviticus. And you know how people say, oh, Leviticus, you know, it's like, oh, how can I really? There is so much good stuff in Leviticus. You need to get on your face and repent for saying that, okay? So, Leviticus, chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. And that's, I don't think that is one we put up there. But it says, we learn God's commandment to celebrate the Feast of Booths and to live in booths for that week to remember how he led us out of Egypt through the wilderness and about the lula branches being waved. So, basically, you take this high sip and this... Um, Uh, myrtle and uh, willow and you make what's called the lulav and you then stand there and you wave it to the four corners there's the shirt again (laughs) and it is to show that god is in the center of the four corners of the earth isn't that cool so and again that's what they were waving during palm sunday all right it, we're, we're instructed to remember when God brought us out of Egypt and led us through the wilderness and how he was our protection and he was our provision. So that's why during that seven days you're supposed to build a sukkah, in your backyard. It's it's basically three, so you can it doesn't have the fourth wall, doesn't have a roof, maybe some sticks with some leaves on it, and you sleep and you see the stars like the Israelites did. We were very poor growing up, so we would um, take a cardboard box, which really prepared me for being homeless later on in life. Um, it, was, it was good. So, <laughs> Psalms, Psalms 140, verse 7, David also declares that God is the one who is sukkah in the day of battle. When he talks about how God is our covering, the Hebrew word is sukkah, the covering, the provision, and the protection, the covering. Now, I want to read something from Sam Nadler. Does anyone here raise your hand if you know Sam Nadler? Okay, um, Hope of Israel. Love, love, love that brother. Um, Sam, you're probably not watching, but if you are, I love you. Um, And this was from his newsletter, and I just want... First, I was going to pretend like it was from me, um, but then I thought I should be honest. So this is what... (laughs) Hold on. That means I need to drink something. Gosh, you look impressed. Okay. Rejoice, the best is yet to come. This is his newsletter about Sukkot. Rejoice, the best is yet to come. As meaningful and joyous as our annual celebrations are for us, the best is yet to come. Because the Feast of Tabernacles points to more than our present provision and protection. Yeshua used the unusual temple ceremonies, which were established by the religious leaders of Israel, to reflect the biblical prophecies about Sukkot, and to declare that these traditions spoke of him. Zechariah 14 foretells that during the millennial kingdom, the Feast of Tabernacles will be an annual celebration for all nations to testify that the Lord himself is the source of all the bountiful blessings we enjoy. This yearly celebration gives us a new orientation of the nations. Let me read Zechariah 14:16. I can't remember if it's up there. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left... Of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, shall go up, don't don't you love it? Read between the lines. The nations that are left who came up against Jerusalem. Who's left standing when every nation comes against Israel? Who's left standing? Israel. There'll be nations left, but there'll be nations that were defeated. Not just nations that didn't go up against Israel, because the scripture tells us every nation will come up against Israel. You know, I've had a lot of people talking lately, you know, we're all end time stuff right now, and that's how I'm going to finish this out. But a lot of people talking, Where, where's America in the Bible? Where's America in the Bible? And a lot of stuff says, we're not in there. We're not in there. How, how can this great nation not be in there? Um, and I guess there's a whole nother teaching and sermon to go on about that. But the truth is, is if we are there, if we are still intact America, at the very end, we'll be going up against Jerusalem. I'd almost rather not be there. <laughs> you know? But every nation will come against Israel. But Israel will be left. After the destruction of the nations who fought against Jerusalem, the submission of those nations who are left will be demonstrated in their worship of the King of Kings, Yeshua the Messiah. Iran will be going up. To worship Yeshua, China, North Korea, whoever's left will be going up to worship the king of kings. These very nations will go to Jerusalem, not to make war, but to worship the Lord of hosts. As prophesied in Isaiah 2, 2 and 3, in the last days, all nations will stream to Jerusalem and many people will come and say, and this is the song we sing, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his path. This also testifies of that future change in the nations. All nations will have a new orientation about God's will and word as they worship him annually in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Isn't that encouraging? I mean, we just, we are so consumed right now with all the evil and the bad that is going on in this world, right? We're we're, we're seeing things that we've never seen before and we're just getting our eyes off of how this all ends and it, Ends with Jesus being the king of kings, the Lord of lords, ruling and reigning, and all nations worshiping him. That's how it ends. All right. Did I put this in here? Let me not put it in here. Let me, let me just say this. Um, this is kind of cool, I think, is that when I was praying about a word for this year, in last year, the word perfect vision came to me, and then... I realized it was 2020. I wasn't thinking 2020 perfect vision. I was thinking, you know, I was just praying to the Lord. And then when I got the perfect vision, then I thought, ah, it's 2020. How ironic. This is so cool. And then um, even Randall Worley was talking yesterday about how there were so many words, you know, because it's 2020, that we had perfect vision. And he was saying, well, we really didn't have perfect vision, did we? We really didn't see clearly. And he was totally right. But there are things that we are now seeing that we didn't see before and not that they weren't going on before it's just that we're seeing them now right luke 12:3 beware of the leaven of the Pharisees which is hypocrisy but there's nothing covered hillary oh i'm sorry there's nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark halls of Congress, I keep, I don't know what's happening in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. And what are we living in here in 2020? We're living in All the stuff that was done in secret. You know, I heard Glenn Beck say, if last year you didn't believe in the deep state, okay. If this year you don't believe in the deep state, what is wrong with you? It has been exposed. It has been laid out there for all of us to see. This latest thing that happened last week with finding out about how how literally our government was working with the Russian government to come up with a conspiracy to say that Trump was conspiring with the Russian government. I mean, my goodness. And now... The, what is it? Was it the State Department? Who was it? Who? Somebody yell out who was it that just um, just released the documents? Okay, great. Anyway, the <laughs> intelligence was it the intelligence committee or something? Anyway, it's out there. It's no longer a conspiracy. It's fact, and we're seeing these things now that we only suspected before. Every building that is shaken is shaken from within. Better get your house in order when the shaking begins. Petra. Okay. (laughs) So these things that we're seeing should not bring us fear. They should bring us hope. What God said would happen is happening. Romans 520 says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. The worse it gets, the more grace that's going to be released. So let me show you a parable that I saw differently for the first time this week, okay? It's in um, Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And I don't think I put it up there because it's just a lot. So I'll just read it. Another parable, and this is verse 24 of Matthew 13. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field." But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. So the the servant to the owner came and said to him, Sir, you did not sow, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go in and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you should also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. The harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, and don't fear them. Don't. don't, don't. (laughs) We need more cowbell. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I had to, what do you want me to do? You know? Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers first gather together the tares. First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, I always read that as you know, you got the world and you got the church. And in the church is the wheat and in the world are the tares. And we're all in this thing together on planet Earth. But as things start to come to maturity, it'll be obvious who the weed are and who the tares are. But when I read it this time, I thought, wait a minute, could I be wrong on that? Could the field, could the whole thing be the church? It costs to follow Jesus now. We are inconvenienced. Will a time be coming soon where we're persecuted? Okay, let me give you an example. And this is where it really gets sobering. This is where it gets really, really real. I believe that one day the Bible will be classified as hate speech. Okay? You speak against homosexuality, it's a hate crime. You speak against abortion, it's a hate crime. You speak against immorality. It's a hate crime. And and this one I think is really important. You say with your smug, elitist attitude that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Who do you pompous people think you are to say that every other religion out there is wrong? That Buddhism and, and Hare Krishna and 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 on and on and on and, 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 and Islam and, and, and all these other religions, even Judaism without their promised Messiah. How dare you say that yours is the only way? That is hate speech. And if you want to say it, you'll have to pay the consequences. Okay, when that happens... I don't say if that happens, guys. I believe when that happens. And it could happen much, much sooner than we think. Look what happened when this whole pandemic happened. Huh? What what happened to the churches? Were we treated with preferential treatment? Were we treated with equal treatment? Or were we treated with great opportunity to, to persecute? And Carol was up here saying there's still some people getting arrested in churches. Can't have more than 25% in a church, but pack Walmart out. You know, we've seen, we've seen, we've not heard, we've already seen how the church is looked at, okay? So I don't say if this happens. I really believe it's when it happens. Where will you stand at that point? I mean, it's great that Jesus is our provision, it's great that we, we get to tithe by giving him a portion of what he's already given to us. And it's great that we can pray for healing and see people healed. All the benefits, you know, what, what is it? Is it Psalm, uh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He heals all your diseases and all that stuff. It's great to have a Jesus that's full of benefits. But what happens when the rubber hits the road and the cost of serving him all of a sudden becomes very, very real? Very real. Maybe jail time, maybe execution, maybe put on a bus and taken away and no one knows where you went. It's real. It could happen. So that is not the time to be figuring out if you are a wheat, if we, I don't want to say you, if we are a wheat or a tare. Okay. Now is the time to be settling in our spirits. If we are wheat or we are tare, because it says as it comes to maturity, maturity, I think that's the key. All right. But now let me give you the flip side. This is so cool. I was reading the other day um, about Elijah going up against the prophets of Baal. Okay. And I thought it was so cool that they, they built both the altars and they put the wood on, on both the altars. Okay. And that's kind of like equal. But then Elijah did the craziest thing you could do. He said, get pitchers of water and Pour them on the altar. Make it even harder for God to do what he's going to do. Now, can I be honest with you? I don't know how many of you watched the debate, but I was seeing water poured all over that altar. I was embarrassed by it. I was horrified by it, and I was left with this feeling. Oh, God, it has to be you. I cannot put my trust in any man. I I cannot base this on his charisma or his popularity or anything else to win this election and hold back this tide of evil that wants to come on our land. But God, it can't be in that man. It was so obvious to me watching that debate it couldn't be him. It has to be God. But you know what? Even after they poured the water and made it even harder, another word, As we were watching things get worse, God was still able. I was going to buy a house. Actually, this is kind of funny because we're back in the house I bought back then in 2002. But we were buying our log cabin. And I was doing commercial finance, which I'm still doing, 704-807-0893. And I was closing on this food line shopping center. And the money I was going to make from that center was going to be my down payment at closing, for the money, which was just weeks ahead. And we got to the closing table, and it turned out that there was what's called a lockout period. It wasn't that the person buying the center could not pay off the center without having to pay a prepayment penalty. It was that they could not pay off the center at all. It had a lockout period. Her husband had died. She did not know that. She was selling it to my client, and I was providing the financing. So all of a sudden, the money for my down payment at closing disappeared. And I would go, the house was vacant. I would go to that house every day. The doors were unlocked. I would go inside up into the loft where there was one chair and I would pray and say, Lord, how are we going to do this? Do I tell the attorneys? Do I tell the realtor? What do I do? And I felt like the Lord said, just be still. It's like, Lord, we got a closing in two weeks. I need tens of thousands of dollars. What are we going to do? And I just felt not to. And then this is what the Lord said to me. The closer you get to the day of closing, the larger the giant becomes. But the larger the giant is, the more glory that I receive for slaying him. Yeah, yeah. And we closed on the day of closing without notifying anyone of what was going on or postponing it even a day. Is that cool? Cool. I also believe that as we get closer to the end times, and I'm doing great on time. I believe as we get closer to the end time, (laughs) that was, anyway. I believe that scripture that we have read in the past that we've just kind of glossed over are gonna become more and more relevant. We're gonna have more revelation. We're gonna see better. Okay, I I mean, I really do. Um, There are, let me read some of these verses. In Ephesians, or how about this one? Romans 11:25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part. Okay? And I want to say Stuart Gittleman and David Stark and myself and others, even maybe in this congregation, we are proof that the blindness to the Jews is in part. Because Messiah has been revealed to us and we have received him. I desire, brethren, that you should not be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. Oh, and you, Chris, I'm so sorry. That blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So there is a time when the Jews are blinded in part, but there is also a designated time when that will be revealed. Okay? How about Ephesians 3, 3 through 5? How that by revelation, this is Paul speaking, he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Messiah, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. In other words, There has been truth in the word of God this whole time, you know, several thousand years before Messiah comes on the scene. And now, all of a sudden, because it's the time, now it's being revealed and understood. Not not a new revelation, okay? Not another word. Nothing gets added to this word or taken away from this word, okay? But all of a sudden, you read it. Oh, I get what he was saying, I get it. Maybe like, oh, so the field with the wheat and tares, it's all the church, you know? And then is it pre-rapture? Is it post-rapture? Is it mid-rapture? Keith Green used to say, pray for pre and be ready for post. But, you know, but whatever it is, okay, I believe that we'll really start to know, not speculate, as we get closer to the time of his return. So let me leave you with this, okay? We're all getting pretty serious about is the Lord's return imminent? I mean, look what ha- is happening in America. There could be a Marxist revolution. There could be another civil war. They're talking about it. Do you know that 52% of Americans believe that something catastrophic is going to happen at or after the elections and are actually prepping? 52%. Some believe it's because of COVID and it's going to get worse and they need to prep. Some believe because it's a civil war and some believe, you know, other things, but 52% believe that. Well, I have a revelation from the Lord God is not an American. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus was a Sabra. A Sabra is an Israeli born Jew. Jesus, Jesus was a Sabra, he was an Israeli. But our Heavenly Father, the Lord of the whole earth, is not. As we see things heating up here in America, we think of how bad they can get and believe that means the Lord is coming back at any moment. But there's many other countries of the earth that are suffering way worse than we are even thinking about suffering. Right? And they've been suffering for decades. He hasn't come back yet. All right. Oh, what'd I do there? Crap. I mean darn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hold on, see here they are. Okay, this is it. God has a timeline. America isn't the timeline. Israel is the timeline. If you wanna be looking to figure out how close we are to the second coming look at Israel okay all right god has a plan and a timeline and in zechariah 14:16 he lays out that timeline okay when all is said and done all these evil nations come and they bow at the feet of messiah and worship him jesus is coming back all right now let me sort of finish here a little bit with Why I say he is coming back during this feast, during these high holy days. And it's because of this. Jesus was the Passover lamb. We were singing it, lamb of God, lamb of God. He was the Passover lamb who died, was sacrificed, and his blood put over the doorposts of our hearts to bring us salvation. Anybody disagree with that? When did Jesus come? When was he crucified? Passover. Three days later is the feast of first fruits. Jesus was the first fruits of those risen from the dead, right? And when did he rise from the dead? He rose from the dead three days after Passover (laughs) when he was crucified, which was the feast of first fruits. The law was given at Shavuot, the law. Okay, Shavuot means, I'm not sure if it means seven times seven or, uh, yeah, I think it means weeks. I think Shavuot means weeks. I got it backwards. One means weeks and one means um, 50, something like that. Okay, one's Greek, one's Hebrew. But Shavuot, which would, of course, be the Hebrew, is when the law was given. And the law was given as a foreshadowing, okay, of the Spirit being given. So when was the law given? Oh, 3,000 people died that day because the Bible says the letter killeth. And then on Pentecost, which is the same time but in the Greek word, 3,000 people were saved, the exact amount, when the Spirit was given. And what happened when the Spirit was given? The church was birthed. And what also happens during that time? It is the second feast of first fruits. So the smaller one is when just Jesus was the firstborn of those risen from the dead. And the second feast of first fruits, and we can do that because we're Jewish, the second feast of firstfruits is given when the church was birthed, and that was the first fruits, okay? Wow. Coincidence? Absolutely not. So if Sukkot, if the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, when Messiah returns and tabernacles with us, is there any question that this is it? I mean, maybe if he nailed two out of three, there'd be a question, but he nailed four out of four. And all we have left is the last Trump, Rosh Hashanah, atonement, Yom Kippur, and Tabernacle among us? It's awesome. So here's our part. Our part is to follow Jesus and make sure you're willing at any cost to be a wheat, not a tear. So I'm gonna tell you something. It could be a tear. You could be sitting here today being a tear. Search your heart and make sure you're not. Or if you are, change. Change your grain. Change your grain. Can we do bumper stickers? <laughs> the second one is blow the trumpet, sound the alarm, and spread the gospel to all who will listen. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, Jerry and Judy Ball aren't here, but they're trumpet blowers. Sandra's here, Stuart's not with her this morning. But she's a trumpet. They are trumpet blowers. There are people in our congregation that are trumpet blowers. But we can't sit back and say, oh, yeah, we go to River Life where Sandra and uh, Stewart they take care of the trumpet blowing for us. You know, every once in a while we hand them the music sheet. No, we all have to be trumpet blowers. We all have to be. The next, stand for the truth. Stand against evil in our land and the killing of unborn babies. And then I've got it here three times, and Carol, we literally could have called Carol up and say, Carol, would you finish my sermon for me? Here are the notes. Vote, 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 and make sure the candidates that you vote for do not approve of the killing of unborn babies. I'm telling you. I am not a fan of the Republican Party. I'm really not. I'm not. But the party has planks in it. And one of those planks is the right to life. And there's another party out there. They have planks. And their planks is the killing of unborn babies. So before you go to the polls, regardless of how you're registered to vote, regardless of how arrogant you may think one of the candidates may be, or brash, or crude, or regardless of what you think of that person's personal life or personal spotted, blemished past. Are you voting to make sure that the courts are filled with those who protect innocent life or those that declare war on it? A governor is the president of a state. When you go to the polls, are you going to vote for one that has shown himself to be a friend of the church or an enemy of the church? One that has stood with the church to do everything he can to promote it and protect it and get it through and, and not limit it? Or one that has been quick at the draw to strip it and had to have attorneys come together To show him the law to tell him, you can't do to the church what you just tried to do to the church. Did you know that governments are instituted among men to protect the rights given to us by God? They are not instituted among men to give us those rights. Those rights are given to us by God they are instituted to protect him. So all I'm saying is regardless, of, the, of, the, the platform, regardless of, of who they are or what they are or, or where they're from, just use that as your litmus test. Is this person gonna protect, right, is he gonna acknowledge my rights come from God? And then is he gonna work to protect those rights for me that were given by God? Mm. Most of all, after you have done all you can do to stand, Ephesians six thirteen, stand. That's all we can do. That's all we can do is stand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close by praying for us. And if the ministry team's gonna come forward afterwards and you wanna come up for prayer, that God gives us the grace to be wheat when it's harvest time, I would encourage that. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. First of all, for this church, mm. and I thank you so much for Byron and Becky for allowing me the, um, the opportunity to share this message on my heart, and I thank you most of all for you, Lord Jesus. You are so awesome. You are so clearly based on the new covenant scriptures that you are Messiah. All of the, of the old covenant shows us that a Messiah was coming and what he would do And what he would be. And all of the new covenant shows us that you, without a shadow of a doubt, was that Messiah. And that our salvation, once and for all, is found in you. And that by repenting of our sins and asking you to forgive us of our sins by becoming the Lord of our life. We don't just want the benefit of salvation. Actually, we can't just have the benefit of salvation without first making you the Lord of our life. I step off the throne of my life and I turn it over to you, Messiah Jesus. And by doing so, I receive eternal life. Not a perfect, carefree existence on this earth, especially as times change, but eternal life with you forever. And you walking through all that will come to pass. And whether things begin to unravel in November of 2020 or if they begin to unravel in whatever month in 2030 or 40 or 50, our trust is in you, Lord. Amen. I guess we can either have the ministry team come up or we can be dismissed or both.